the good things. We got all the good things. Nurturing nature has come to the economic rescue of thousands of people. And he says he finally feels peace because he is free. So they're taking this opportunity and they're providing the people in their country with jobs that they can get paid for while planting trees to help fight global warming. Justice was served. It took its sweet time, but it was served and hope was there. Beautiful way for the government to directly help its citizens and get those people an opportunity to recover with dignity and without relying on handouts. Yo, this is straight up Shawshank Redemption. Hi everyone, welcome back to All the Good Things. Glad you made it for another Monday of magical stories. Um, <laughs> Let's start off with our good things as always, but first I want to highlight Kristen and her good thing is that she got to see her friend's eight-month-old baby the other day Aww. and just get all the cuddles and the giggles. I think she said she got to talk to it too. To it? <laughs> <laughs> I If anyone could her. hold a conversation with an eight-month-old child, it's Kristen. <laughs> Yeah, Kristen just gets along with anybody. That's one of her superpowers. So I'm sure this baby had a fantastic play date with her. Super, super fantastic. I love that. What about you, Esne? What was your good thing? I recently made the decision to travel home from LA to Minnesota. And I want to preface it by saying I was really smart with social distancing. The last time I did groceries in LA was April 8th. And I did not have to go anywhere in public other than the park to take my dog on a walk until I decided to go to the airport to fly home to Minnesota. And while I was in the airport, I used my mask and Purell. And it's not perfect, but I felt really called to be home with family. And I love being home in Minnesota. I haven't been back in almost a year. And it's been so great to see my dad and my mom and my sister and there's just a different energy in Minnesota that I've missed. It's, it's calmer. There's more green space. And I'm excited to be home. I definitely want to preface that this is temporary and she's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> just in case everyone's panicking in their seats like, what? She moved? No, um, I'm coming back. Which is back. what I thought when she first told me. <laughs> She's coming back, but I'm so happy that you get to spend time with your family and your hometown and just catch up. That's so awesome. And I'm glad you're safe and you made it there okay. Ooh, this is true. Very true. And I brought Bear. Bear gets to meet another pup. Uh Uh-huh. What about you, girl? My good thing is I got to social distance with two of my really close friends. Their names are Kaylee and Eileen. Shout out to you both beautiful angels. Uh, we all have like convertible cars. So Eileen and I have Jeeps and nice. Kaylee has a Mustang. So we all just decided to meet up at one of our favorite places, which is Yoga Ert in Glendale, vegan <laughs> soft serve for the win. And we both all drove separately in our cars and just parked in the lot and had our masks on and rolled down our windows and had a good conversation over our favorite soft serve from our cars. Aww. And that was fine. <laughs> Yoga Ert. 
it's it's so good. It's yoga because the woman, okay, the owner's name is Melissa. Shout out first. Oh, nice. Second, she did yoga teacher training somewhere. I don't know where with. And so her logo has an ohm sign as like the top of her yoga her yogurt swirly. Oh, that it's actually so cool. works really well. Right? So good stuff. Good stuff there. Um, but I'm excited to jump into some stories now that we got to share our good things. Esme, yes. hit us with more magic. My story is about a tsunami. What? <laughs> right? Sounds crazy. Not an actual destructive tsunami that floods a place, but a tree tsunami of people planting a flood of trees. That sounds great. It's also really cool because tsunamis are very powerful, so it kind of gives this tree tsunami idea a lot of power and oomph behind it. And it's actually a program in Pakistan, and Mm. it is their commitment to combating climate change and global warming. I'm intrigued. Tell me more. So this program actually started back in 2014 in Pakistan with the goal to plant 1 billion trees. That's a shit ton of trees. Oh, shit. (laughs) That is amazing. That that is a lot of trees. And their goals behind it are really to create sustainable forestry development, to generate green and ethical jobs, also to create gender empowerment, and to address the global issue of climate change head on. That's a lot of awesome things. Amazing. So they started this goal back in 2014, and they actually completed the goal in 2017, which was ahead of their schedule. So Pakistan successfully planted a billion trees in under three years. That's That's fantastic. That's a ton. That's inspiring. (laughs) Right? So 2017, they reached this goal and they were like, we're freaking awesome. And they elected a new prime minister named Imran Khan. And he, fun fact, I don't know much about him, but the first thing that came up on Wikipedia was that he used to be a pro cricketer. Oh, yes. Cool. Which I just, I love that phrase. He, so he was a professional cricket player and now he's the prime minister of Pakistan. I've never watched anyone play cricket before. I have never even understood a fraction of how cricket works. (laughs) I'm right there with you, but it sounds really posh. So posh. (laughs) Anyways, he was elected and he decided to revamp their billion tree tsunami project and set a new goal of a 10 billion tree tsunami. What? That is so many freaking trees. I can't even talk about it. How much oxygen would that many trees give off? So much. Like that is... Such a substantial contribution. 10 billion trees in five years is his goal. Five Five years. years. So they did a billion in just under three years. He wants to multiply that by tenfold and only add an extra two years to do it. I like how you think, Emron. Crazy. Goal setter. 
So fighting climate change is really important to Pakistan as a country because they have this unfortunate discrepancy between the amount of carbon emissions that they produce and contribute to the world versus the amount of impact that global warming has on their country. So they only produce a really small fraction of the world's carbon emissions. They don't contribute that much to greenhouse gases overall. But they are ranked as the fifth most impacted country by climate change and global warming. So they have an extremely higher chance of things like landslides and flooding and extreme heat waves and just extreme weather patterns in their country. And part of that is because they don't have that much forestation. So they, back in 2014-2016 timeframe, only had about 2% of their country covered in trees. The United States, by comparison, has around 33%. And India has around like 23%. And after that initiative, Pakistan was able to get up to around 5%. So, but now they're even setting higher goals to plant 10 billion trees, which is so freaking fantastic. But COVID-19 happened and like shut down this initiative. And like a lot of other places, it also shut down a lot of day-to-day businesses and a bunch of people in Pakistan were laid off of their jobs and put in this position where they needed to either beg on the street for money or let their families go hungry. Oh, that breaks my heart. So sad. But, and this is the really beautiful part of this story, the government decided to exempt forestation work from the COVID-19 closures. And they put in place social distancing measures and hired 63,600 people to go plant trees during COVID-19. That's so they so reamped the initiative. Yeah. So they're taking this opportunity and they're providing the people in their country with jobs that they can get paid for while planting trees to help fight global warming. That's amazing on so many levels. Right? Wow, way to be so innovative and give people an opportunity as well as to make your world and your home a better place to live in. So all of the people planting trees right now are wearing masks and they are required to keep the minimum social distancing requirements in place while they're doing their job and they're getting paid directly from the government. They're also prioritizing hiring women and unemployed workers from COVID-19 and people living in rural areas as the people that are primarily getting these jobs. So that's fantastic because they're also being mindful to serve populations that might need it a little bit more. So they're trying to, to balance that out. And I read a quote, which was so beautiful, and it said that nurturing nature has come to the economic rescue of thousands of people. I love that so much. So true. So beautiful. It's also a really beautiful way for the government to directly help its citizens and get those people an opportunity to recover from job loss with dignity and without relying on handouts. 
Yes, I love that so much. That's what we need. We need to implement an initiative like that. That would be amazing. Our world would be better. People's work ethics would still be involved. And the thing that I love about nature and the thing that I really love about this initiative is that when you invest in nature, it always pays you back. Like right away with beauty, with oxygen, with job opportunity. It is such a beautiful and important thing to invest in. And it brings hope to the world that opportunities exist to honor and support the world that we live in while also facilitating economic growth and economic empowerment for people who lost their jobs. Yes, beautifully said. And it's providing hope for Pakistan that the more trees they have, the more their climate will be regulated and moderated, and hopefully they'll experience less of these extreme natural disasters over time. What an inspiring way to give back to your community from the government and for the community to be able to give back to their home and Mother Earth and spend some time outside in nature with fresh air. That's the stuff that matters. It's so nice. And the last thing I want to add to this is this thought from a meditation that I listened to. And it is so beautiful. It's by Bergs, spelled B-U-R-G-S. He has this whole program called The Art of Meditation, and most of them are free on YouTube, and they're fantastic. And he made a good point, and whether or not you believe in God or anything, he just illustrated how the world that we live in is so deeply and immensely and vastly beautiful that there is really no other way that it could be anything but an expression of pure love. Like, it is too extraordinary to be anything less than that. And I thought that was such a beautiful thought. And I wanted to share it with you all. That that deserves its own t-shirt slogan. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a really long slogan. (laughs) I would wear it. I would. I would wear it too, girl. Okay, that's my story. Planting trees, creating hope for the citizens of Pakistan who lost their jobs, creating hope to rid their country of national and natural disasters, and to just build hope for a cleaner and greener environment everywhere. Thank you for sharing that, Esme. I loved it. Your turn. Oh my gosh. I got to prepare myself for this one. It's a, it's a good one, guys. It's juicy. And it also has to deal with how having a dream helped a wrongfully convicted prisoner remain hopeful. So the same idea of hope is in this story as well. Um, this story starts out a little sad, a little dark. Kirk Bloodsworth was his name, and he was sentenced to death at 24 years old. In March wow, you of really 1985. Just, you really just dove right in there. I'm going in because... <laughs> Jump into the deep end. We got to give you the context of like how sad this is to how amazing it's going to be at the end. You guys know it's a good I'm podcast. off the deep end. <laughs> watch as I, I dive, dive in. <laughs> he, yeah, he's in the shallow right now for sure. So Kirk Bloodsworth, he is 24 years old, 24 years old and was sentenced to death under the accusation that he was guilty of murdering a nine-year-old girl named Don Hamilton. This is some 
big stuff. Like, this is real life. That's a big accusation. If he did do that, yes, he would definitely be locked up, which he should be. And Kirk was a six-foot, 200-pound, clean-shaven former Marine who had bright red hair and no prior arrests or misdemeanors. So he's a big guy, and I'm sure many people would be intimidated by him by seeing him just based off his looks or knowing that he was a former Marine. And when he was accused of this, when he was brought into court to be sentenced, five people testified that they swear it was him that they had seen at the scene of the crime. Well, Kirk was just in a major disbelief and sorrow because he had no idea like how these people could so honestly and, you know, think that it was him and testify against him when even the sketch that they were describing of the man who was seen at the scene of the crime did not match him at all. The sketch described someone as more than six foot five, skinny, curly blonde hair, and had a bushy mustache, which is <laughs> the opposite of Kirk. Especially so, the mustache piece. Like, <laughs> how are you gonna? He's redhead, clean shaven, and they're looking for someone blonde. Curly with a blonde hair versus bright red. <laughs> easy, easy to confuse. Yes. So not only did the sketch not match, but there was no physical evidence that linked him to the crime scene. And he was sentenced so, to death? And he was sentenced to death. At what years, state? Years what old. state? Uh, it was like Texas. It was somewhere in the South. Yes. It was also <laughs> 1985. So oh, we didn't have okay, quite, okay. The, quite the cool stuff that we do now. Anyway, flash forward. Here he is in jail, in prison. Every night he has trouble sleeping, not only because has he just been wrongfully accused and sentenced to death and he's in jail and he's still so young, but also he feels worried and bad for Don Hamilton, the girl's family, who haven't gotten proper justice. The real culprit is still out there somewhere. And here he is not able to do anything about it behind bars. Also, he's a Marine. Like, that would be really disappointing for anybody, but I feel like it's got to carry extra disappointment for someone who invested their life, career, and their literal life to serve the country, and then they come back, and the country's like, jail. I know. It's, It's so sad, too, because when he talks about it, he says he can still remember every excruciating detail about, like, the night of his arrest, and... He dreams about it every night when he's trying to fall asleep in jail, where he just sees them, like, knocking on his door in the early a.m., in the middle of the night, and just says, Mr. Bloodsworth, you're under arrest, and they handcuff him, and they just take him like that. And he says he just struggles to toss and turn until eventually he falls asleep in his cot. And this is where he always got a strange dream that would come, and it would soothe him. And his dream featured Pete Roswell, who at the time was the then commissioner of the national, the NHL, which is the national... Hockey League. Is it hockey? Yeah, it's hockey. I'm from Minnesota, man. We we love hockey with a deep, deep passion. Is it... I think it was supposed to be related to football, though, because do hockey players get Super Bowl rings? 
If you're trying to think about football, it's the NFL. NHL is hockey. NFL is football. But yeah, football is the Super Bowl. <laughs> We're gonna say hockey, NFL. Hockey players definitely don't go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote uh, H, but I think I meant F. Okay. We gotta keep that in there, girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me get the my Super Bowl facts of hockey straight, is friends. the Stanley Cup. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. And they get a cup. I don't know if they he, get rings. I'm about to Google Pete Rosell uh, and see what he worked for. Anyway, so every night he would have this dream after he finally fell asleep where he would see Pete Rosell from the National Football League standing in his jail cell and like walking over to him silently and just sitting down next to his cot. And he would always look at this guy and be like, why are you here? Like, I don't even watch football, but I keep having a football dream. And Pete apparently just hands him a ring and says, this is for you. And then it always was a vision of like a Super Bowl style sort of ring. So this is why Kirk would always be like, what? Like, what's going to happen? What does that mean? And I don't watch football. So why is this happening to me? But either way, this crazy, repetitive dream that he had somehow gave Kirk extra motivation to stay hopeful and to work on his appeal. So he did have a chance to get an appeal, and his death sentence was overturned due to the fact that there was no hard evidence to support or link him to this case. So he was no longer on death row, which is a win, but he was still sentenced to two life sentences, which means a life behind bars. Of course, his mom was his biggest support system. He said throughout all of this, and she still loved him and believed he had a good heart, and she did not think that he did this despite all the other accusations that would suggest otherwise. This is another sad moment. However, he was still in jail when his mom passed away, and he was only allowed to go to her wake for five minutes handcuffed with two guards at his sides to make sure he didn't do anything and that's how he had to say goodbye to his mom i know so sad but his mom just got goosebumps (sighs) do you want me to continue yeah i need it to get good (laughs) (laughs) uh it's gonna get good i promise does it end with him winning the super bowl that would be really great (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that would be that would be something no it doesn't unfortunately uh but does end well so his mom was such a light that he still at this point now he felt extra motivated to get out there not only just to prove that his mom's intuitions were right but he wanted to have a chance to live his life and make things right with the rest of the world by still being a helpful citizen so Once off death row, he had more liberties in the prison, and he became the prison librarian. So there's a library, apparently, in jail. Yo, this is straight up Shawshank Redemption. (laughs) I know, that was so good. (laughs) This is real life. Okay, no, I I tell you, it just gets good. (laughs) (laughs) Kirk, at this point, had been locked up for four years when he came across a book about advancements in DNA testing. So he's already doing his thing. He's comfortable as a librarian. He's meeting lots of people in jail. And he does a lot of reading to pass the time. 
he did so much reading that when he found this book on DNA testing, he begged the prosecution to test more evidence with his DNA from the case. And in 1992, the prosecution finally agreed to test his evidence and found that his DNA, in fact, was not a match. Bless. You're telling me that the, the red-haired guy's DNA did not match the blonde, curly-haired person who was seen at the scene of the crime? <laughs> who would have thought? Shocker. <laughs> so the good news is, on June 28, 1993... After eight years, 10 months, and 19 days, Kirk finally walked out a free, exonerated man. He was the first U.S. death row prisoner to be cleared by DNA evidence, and he walked away with full pardon. Later, DNA was matched to the true culprit, whose name was Kimberly Ruffner. The crazy part about this is... Kimberly, the killer, was coincidentally already serving time for assault in the same prison. And Kirk had actually rented out a book to this man. And he could not believe that he knew this other prisoner. And that prisoner, Kimberly, would just look him in the eye and talk to him knowing that he was serving for the crime that he committed. I mean, that is unbelievable, but it is also unbelievable that someone would kill a nine-year-old girl, so I wouldn't hold that person to the expectation of normal human decency. I know. I agree with that, but I just think that's, like, oh, wouldn't you have crazy. nightmares about that afterwards? You're like, oh my god, I was like looking at the killer in the face. I would have such insane trust issues after that. I don't know how Kirk coped. He did say that after coming out of jail, because he was in there for so long in his prime years, that he had a really hard time adjusting. And it didn't always, he felt restless and a bit anxious because he didn't know what to do with some of his time. Of course, the world had moved on exponentially in growth in terms of everything with technology, with the way we function as a culture. And he said it was a lot of work getting back to normal. But he had an awesome girlfriend who was super supportive, and she made her own jewelry. That was her business. This is where the dream comes back. Stop it. And while Kirk did not work in jewelry, he actually worked with the Innocence Project, and he supported this nonprofit that helped exonerated people like him who were wrongfully convicted uh, find peace. He would help his girlfriend on the side with her jewelry, just like help her make bracelets and necklaces and stuff, just to keep his mind busy always. So when he wasn't speaking at events, he was there with his girlfriend. And one day, he said he just began making rings. And he got so intrigued by it that he even enrolled in a local college class to learn how to make rings properly. And one of their assignments was to design a ring and make it their own. And he said immediately the ring that he dreamt about came to his hand and he put it on paper. And the ring he came up with resembled a Super Bowl ring, except for minus the team logo. And it featured an empty cell with the doors wide open, the word exoneree above the doors, 
a teardrop to represent wrongful conviction, three small rubies, which represented the past, the present, and the future, and his final product was cast in silver. And he said this ring was exactly what he saw in his dream, and now he has made more than 230 exonery rings that he gives for free to other exonerees like him. Because though he did walk out after eight years of his life, which could be considered wasted or gone, but he has this ring to wear to remind himself that he in fact is victorious and he did come out stronger through the whole process and he's proud that in the end, you know, fate came around, karma was given and truth was shined. Yes! This part makes me so happy. Uh, So now, Kurt, again, he's with the Innocence Project, and he speaks at events to help others in the same situation. He even has made the case for changes to legislation regarding how they convict people and what evidence they use. I love this story so much. (laughs) And he says he finally feels peace because he is free. And that is the greatest gift that he has. And he has a bunch of people in his community who share this gift with him. And they're hopeful, which I think is so beautiful. And he kept hope throughout the whole time, which is also beautiful. He did. Justice was served. It took its sweet time, but it was served and hope was there. Was it worth it? Was the pain worth it? (laughs) For the ending, absolutely. Good, good. Um, Thank you all so much for listening to our stories today. I hope you feel inspired and hopeful and that you know that there's always opportunity to do good, to be good, and to believe in good in the world. Much vinyasa. Much vinyasa. Shisha. Oh. (laughs) That was Chinese. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for showing us so much love and support with our podcast. Please continue to like, share, subscribe, comment. You know, all the things that we say every single time at the end of the podcast, please do it. (laughs) It would mean (laughs) a lot to Esme and I and Kristen. Um, We will see you next week with more hopeful and good stories. Have a beautiful day. Bye. Thanks. All the good things. We got all the good things A story to uplift and moments of bliss To remind us all that life is a gift And because we truly care All the good things we share All the good things